Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, ready to dive back into our Days of Red Stars past series. It's been a while, guys. Uh, some things have uh, gone on for the Red Stars in terms of not so much an offseason, but the COVID season portion of this year. And uh, they had a faux opening tailgate, a jersey drop, and uh, we decided to do some content about that. But now we're going to get back to this. Uh, we're going to talk about FC Kansas City, and there's a lot to go through, and I couldn't do it alone, because no one could ever do anything alone. So I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, aka the Scam Originator. How you doing tonight, Claire? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I appreciate that in these uncertain times, uh, there is always the past, so it hasn't <laughs> gone anywhere. Nope, still there. That sounds still like there. copy for a shitty COVID commercial. There is uh-huh. always the past. <laughs> Man, uh, and we're going to talk about it, but I think uh, to start, to let all uh, our listeners into the loop, make sure they're all informed, uh, everything is uh, still impacting the NWSL season, guys, uh, in terms of um, everything going on with COVID-19, all the precautions in place, specific state-at-home orders for certain states and cities, specifically Illinois. That got extended all the way through May. There's talk about it going through June. Um, so there's a lot going on. The league themselves have announced very recently, as of right now that we're recording this on May the 6th, that individualized training is going to be something that uh, is allowed. So we're actually going to try to get some more information on that for all of you guys and maybe dig into some coaching sources and, and find out what that could possibly look like for some teams. Because, uh, yeah. again, everything is state by state. Um, but it was interesting to see that little bit of news drop. I think it was more confusing than anything else in right. terms of how that would work. The only thing I can imagine from it is that they're kind of taking um, some cues from MLS because MLS has opened up what they called squadron training, which is essentially that um, you can have four players in the facility at a time. Each gets a quarter of the soccer field. Um, The idea being that it's assured social distancing. No one is being close to each other, but it at least gives some of the, these players a designated space to train because right now we have, I think Julie Ertz said on her Instagram yesterday that she and Zach have a parking lot by where they live, where they're trying to work out. And, you know, we see Chicago Red Stars players trying to play out in the park, like any green space they can find. And the idea is that driving to a soccer field and going in and being monitored and all of that sort of thing is actually safer than trying to do this just kind of out in the world. And um, I think I get that. Uh, Part of the issue, though, is that MLS has decided that they're just going to go with regional standards. So they are not trying to do anything kind of as a united league. They're just kind of letting teams follow their own local rules right now. The NWSL would like to be a little bit more unified, but as we understand it, I don't, I don't think a state like Illinois can actually go do this. I don't think the Chicago fire are doing this. I think we're on a pretty strict stay at home and certainly probably will be in Cook County, which is where Bridgeview is until the end of the month. So unclear exactly what it means other than just, I think the NWSL as a league 
is trying to be part of this conversation, this reopening conversation. They're telling teams to go by their own best judgment. It's not really a mandate, um, but it is just kind of following this idea that training alone at a facility is probably actually safer than training alone out in a park. Um, we'll see if it works. We'll keep y'all posted. That's what we do here. Uh, yeah, we get any more into on that or if any other additional news drops on that, um, we'll keep everybody informed as best we can. Uh, also, that jersey drop. It's a gosh darn nice jersey. Uh, we put out a reaction piece about it. I've got something up on southsidetrappodcast.com talking about the neighborhood kit, why it was so dope to see it unveiled the way that it was unveiled, even though it was a uh, a little different because there were different plans on how to unveil the jersey, but this time it was all done virtually. But uh, very dope to see everybody involved. Really cool to see the final product and uh, really cool to see all those neighborhoods on there. So check out that piece uh, if you haven't um, had a chance to take a look at it yet. Uh, I was really super psyched when I got to see my my hood on there, and uh, I know a lot of other people were really hyped about it too, and everybody has different reasons. And I just wrote a little bit about why I was excited for mine. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day that we can all hang and uh, everybody let me know where they're from, point it out on the kit. It'd be dope. Uh, so yeah. what do you think of that kit, Claire? It dope? I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was in, it was amazing to me to see the response, honestly, because I, you know, I, we, we know the history obviously of, of the Chicago Red Stars branding and they have had jerseys kind of similar, not never as nice, but similar to this one before, but I think it's appeal outside the city even was so strong because I because it was so bold and was so clearly Chicago um, the elevated kit in a weird way is a little bit more subtle um, and I think that people were like whoa that is Chicago like it's literally Chicago on a shirt and I think people really responded to that um, yeah I thought it was great I think they knocked it I think they knocked it out of the park and I think it was smart to release it um, if they had the order it certainly worked. They're almost completely sold out. I think the only size they still have left that's not on back order is a men's small. Come on, you small men. Come on, you small men. Where are you at? Order this jersey. You're missing out. Order your son a jersey, you guys. <laughs> Somebody. If you know a small man, direct them to the Chicago Red Stars website yeah. where they can purchase themselves a men's small neighborhood kit. Uh, this kit was such a big splash and it came at um, kind of an interesting point in terms of women's soccer news in terms of what's going on with the United States women's national team and their fight for equality and uh, the judge taking a look at their case and basically saying that there were no grounds there. So there was a lot going on there. Shout out to our friend, homie colleague, Meg Linehan. She's been really good about keeping everyone updated on that over at The Athletic. I'm, so glad, it's, her. I'm so glad it's not my job to report on that. Yeah, God bless her. Uh, check out her stuff. She's keeping everybody informed, including us. And uh, everybody felt some type of way about it, you know, and, and they should have. It's, it's a rough time right now for for sports in general, but I think for those of us kind of in these trenches, right, when it comes to women's sport, kind of feel that a little bit differently, which is why we were so happy to see so much of the success with this neighborhood kit and people putting their money, you know, towards this kit and towards the Red Stars. And that included a number of people who are outside of Chicago and just wanted to find themselves contributing to a team and a club, you know, a club that uh, went ahead and move forward with the release of the kit and try to support them. 
the one thing I do think that this kind of shows a little bit um, is there's been a certain philosophy, particularly stemming from Arnhem, um, which is this idea that, uh, and he, he said this, we, we spoke to him a little bit after, after the launch, he had a little thing for the, for the, for journalists. And, um, and he, he thinks very strongly that there is, yes, this is a very stressful time, but within that, this is a time of opportunity a little bit because nothing else is going on. And so in a weird way, especially when it comes to media coverage or people wanting to buy in New Jersey or any of that sort of thing, with everything stopped, he believes that the Red Stars can have things going on. They're going to grab a bigger part of the market than they would with a million things going on. And like, quite frankly, if no men are playing sports and a women's soccer team drops a jersey, people are going to be talking about that women's that women's soccer team. And so there was a, a proof of concept there a little bit with the great success of this launch. Because yes, the jersey's great. That's not why they sold out of the entire run in 48 hours or 72 hours. It's because of this particular moment in time, how dedicated women's soccer fans are how much people are paying attention and also weirdly how open they are to the idea of supporting this team when they have nothing else, when there's nothing else to support. And so I think, um, I think that not only is this certainly valuable for Chicago from a revenue standpoint, it's a data, it's a data point that they can now take to sponsors and say, Hey, look at what we did. And all we did was release this Jersey and we had a big zoom call. And that's huge. That's going to be massive in them securing more funding in the future. So basically it was a big gamble and it worked and I'm very happy for them. I am too. It's been dope to see the response. It was lovely to chat with Arnhem and Sarah Gordon post the event. They were really cool to uh, spend some time with us and other various members of Chicagoland media and it was nice to see the response um, from folks outside of Chicago wanting to buy this jersey, wanting to contribute in some way. And uh, that included some folks out in the West Coast and all around. And I know that Chicago Local 134 is giving a series of kick giveaways uh, thanks to all of these people involved. And now we are also joining in on the giveaway fun as well. So in the spirit of giveaway, Southside Chat Podcast is also participating in, uh, in a giveaway as well. So we wanted to actually present this giveaway to our lovely patrons who've been with us and uh, supporting us since we've dropped our Patreon. Thank you. And uh, we wanted to actually open this up honestly, outside of the Neighborhood Kit for a number of reasons. We had some discussion about it and we decided, you know what, the Neighborhood Kit is epic. It's a great companion to the Elevated Kit. So we wanted to give our patrons options, actually. So if you are a patron of ours... All merch is good merch. All the merch is good merch. So we want to let you know that if you are one of our patrons, we will be selecting one of you at random to be the winner of your choice of the following. You can receive either the newly uh, newly released neighborhood kit. If you haven't got it already, you can choose the elevated kit. So those are your first two options. And if you are really cool and already have both of those kits, we decided, you know what? Let's just hook you up with $100 worth of random Chicago Red Stars merch 
on the site. And uh, you let us know what you like, and we'll hook you up with that. So we're going to be running this uh, giveaway as soon as this episode drops. So if you're one of our patrons, you will be selected at random. So please check your messages on Patreon. You'll get an email notification. There will be an email notification for you. And uh, we will continue the discussion from there. And right. uh, so, so specifically, if you are a patron of ours, you're already entered. Um, don't do anything. <laughs> stay put. <laughs> stay at home. Stay put. Uh, one of you will be getting an email from us. Um, and yeah, so we just wanted to give you the option of one cool thing or a couple cool things, just depending on uh, what you already have, because we know that you guys are, are fans and we it's redundant to keep shipping people jerseys who already have one. So, um, yeah, excited to do it. Yeah. So, uh, we're looking forward for to do this. Uh, it's rough out. It's rough out here nowadays. So it's nice to sort of be able to be part of all this cool stuff that's going on in terms of, uh, giveaways and things like that. So we're looking forward to it. So with all that in mind, keeping everyone up to date, introducing you all to the giveaway, Claire, we got to pour one out, my dude. Oh, yeah. See, I got I got my drink right here. I'm not going to be doing some pouring. All right. Virtual cheers. Clank. Clank. Uh, to our dearly departed frenemies, FC Football Club. <laughs> Shout out to the Blues, FC Kansas City. When we embarked on this journey of our days of Red Stars past rewatch series, you and I were just like, we're going to get into this. Like it's yeah. going to happen. There were certain things where we were like, we want to watch certain games in particular to that. And we're in relation to certain eras. Uh, we talked about certain teams and one of those teams were like, we have to have an episode that is strictly dedicated to FC Kansas city. And I'm not going to front guys. This is the Chicago red stars podcast first and foremost and always, but get your ears ready because we're going to be talking about, FC Kansas City a bit here. Yeah, it's this has been a growing feeling even before there was a stoppage in, in current play. But I over over 2019 when um, you know there was a, a big resurgence in, in interest and lots of fans and that sort of thing. And obviously, you know the American football team in Kansas City did quite well this year. And uh, uh, Kansas City also got some press for for really supporting the Women's World Cup, which was great. That's great to hear. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Like, I just, I do have this feeling and it purely just comes from the fact that they haven't existed for a while. I miss them. I really do. And and not because they were a team that I was ever rooting for, but just their presence was so valuable to us in Chicago. Um, and it feels like there's a little bit, there's a hole in my heart without, without FC Kansas city. Um, and I, I'm excited to talk about them because I, I, this was a thought that I was having before we even started this project. Uh, I'm in agreement with you 100%. Um, I'm, I was so excited to get to, for us to get to this episode because I know you and I have lined out uh, a certain amount of content per se in the event that we need to extend for content yeah. for a while due to everything going on uh, around us. And um, this one in particular, I know we had put out the viewing guide for this because if you're one of our patrons you get the viewing guides in advance in terms of what we might be speaking about and for this particular viewing guide Claire which you so lovely put together all neatly and organized for everybody 
um, we selected a number of games and they were just highlights uh, because that was the big thing for us too. When we got into this episode, we said, you know what, we want to talk about these two teams in a very holistic way, kind of in just generalities. And we thought it was best to just sort of pick a number of games and eras and rosters for everyone to sort of just maybe go back, look at and get a refresher. Uh, We didn't put actual like game links. We put like a number of highlights for everyone. So we're not necessarily going to go down order through each game and take a look at it. It's not like Claire and I decided to sit down and watch a game. It's a little bit bigger than that, right? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Absolutely, because it's going to allow us some opportunity to to show FCKC some love yeah. within these eras, uh, specifically like that really early 2015 era, and also kind of talk about, you know, kind of the later, quote unquote, last season, right, of theirs. Um, so it'll be dope to kind of go go through all this together. Yeah, and it'll be an interesting, I enjoy it too, because you go through these games and it's a cool measure of, of some some years in Chicago Red Stars history, the way they measured up against FC Kansas City, because um, I was telling Sandra this before we started recording. The thing that I loved about their relationship was that um, it wasn't like Portland um, where it felt lopsided. Um, And it it also didn't feel like Portland in that, like there's a, there's this understanding, this Midwest understanding of like what Chicago is as a city and what Kansas city is as a city. And there's no real beef there. Like if it is, it's one-sided. And, and so I think that there's an enjoyment of just being like, these people are, they're kind of like us, but they're kind of different and they have their soccer team and they swapped results a lot. Um, FC Kansas city did better in the postseason, obviously. Uh, (laughs) But but over the, the long, over the, four seasons five seasons that fc kansas city existed um they they swapped some they swapped some results and they kind of got each other sometimes like they just really kind of zipped at each other and that was really fun Um, no yeah it was nice it was nice to have uh i liked with these games in particular that we uh put out there for everyone to maybe catch the highlights of that they kind of took place over the course of the the 2015 16 and 17 eras because I really do feel like those provided some really juicy moments some really good moments of like quote that quote-unquote concept of like a rival um sort of seeing how these two teams really brought out the best of each other and really all facets uh that was always one of my favorite coaching matchups besides obviously Laura Harvey and Rory Danes to take a look at because it was just always interesting for me to just sort of see these two coaches coaching their teams against each other and just sort of the mindset and how they approached game day and how they approach their coaching with these particular players. Um, that 2015 team for Kansas city, I think did something pretty special that maybe people aren't going to show a lot of love to. I mean, those first two years in this, not the first, two years that they were champions coming off of 2014 and then going into 2015, um, they were going up against a really ridiculous team in Seattle rain FC and to watch what they did uh, was pretty special. It was pretty spectacular. Yeah. I mean, um, we've already talked a little bit about, um, about how 2015 is when, you know, you and I really kind of 
got into the Red Stars. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember watching the World Cup in 2015 and then realizing the NWSL existed. But like that FC Kansas City team, especially in 2015, um, it was, they were, very, they just were very special. Um, yeah. I like the two, the two games that, <laughs> the two games that we told people to watch were on a, on a May 23rd game in 2015 and an August 1st game in 2015. And both of those games have a number of goals in them. And one of them is actually a Red Stars win. And one of them is just a good old fashioned draw. There were like a good number of draws that these two teams yeah. would constantly have against each other. And that 2015 game in May, I thought was really dope because I love that it was, A, it was in the rain, right? It was a rain game and it was, it was taking place away. And it was during like the height and start of that World Cup kind of uh, experience for so many international players. So getting to watch those rookies sort of do their thing, even if it was just maybe watching on the highlights was, was pretty dope. It was a, it was really cool to see Sofia Huerta kind of having the game that she was having during that. And then to have that other game take place in August when so many of these players return from the World Cup as champions and then watching Kristen Press do what she would do so many times in the NWSL, let alone against FC Kansas City, was, uh, was pretty dope. I liked those two 2015 games. So that was the first Chicago Red Stars game I ever saw live. And I remember thinking about FC Kansas City, like, oh, this team is, like, on every line, they are they are good. Like, they had A-Rod up front, they had Lauren Holiday in the middle, and they had Becky Sauerbrunn in the back. And I just – they Chicago got worked down in that game. And it reminds me of the 2019 game against Washington that Chicago played at the end of the season. But, like, the flip side, so, like, Washington was, like, they were young, they were, like, trying some stuff, they were doing it, but just on every line, Chicago was better, and they just got worked down, like, like Washington would do a thing, and Chicago would be, like, "Uh, okay, and then they would stop it, or or score, or whatever, and so, um, it's so important Mm -hmm. that those teams existed, that there were good soccer teams back then, um, because you could really just think that there weren't any not true um and and so that even as a defining moment where like my first live chicago red stars game was watching the red stars lose quite badly i still was like oh my god this is addictive the way this feels watching a team play this well it just wasn't (laughs) chicago yeah it was like yes amy rodriguez lauren holiday wreck me it feels amazing we're throwing out some names of a few heavy hitters for this FC Kansas City team, but for this 2015 era, I just want to like throw out the roster for the Blues here, just so people sort of get a perspective of what we're talking about. Um, along with uh, 
Nicole Barnhart, the other goalkeeper for FC Kansas City at this time, was uh, Caitlin Rowland. And they had uh, Shea Groom, Rebecca Morris, Becky Sarbon, Liz Bogus, Jim Bukowski, uh, Megan Linnisby, Amy Rodriguez, Heather O'Reilly, uh, Casey Clark, Francis Silva, Lauren Holiday, uh, Leanne Robinson, Yal Averbush, uh, Erica Timrak, Amy LaPelvet, um, I already said Nicole Barnard, Dummy Richardson, uh, Sarah Hagen, Caroline Castor, and Mandy Laddish. This was the 2015 era of FC Kansas City. And if you weren't watching those back-to-back championships in 2014 and 2015, uh, you maybe look at a team like the teams who won the Shield in, in Seattle, and you're like, oh, God, like, of course they were the best team in those early eras of NWSL. Look at the rain and look at those names. But when you're looking at this roster for FC Kansas City, you're also like, of course they won back-to-back championships. It didn't matter if that other team was winning the Shield. I mean, these are like some amazing players. And I mean, like some veteran players to this day who still play in the league. And there's a number of players on this roster who maybe flirted with the idea of being a regular on the U.S. women's national team, but um, had their pro soccer career in NWSL and maybe retired as, you know, champions, you know, what, like somebody like Liz Bogus or, or my God, Jim, Jim Bukowski, uh, legendary man, uh, had a great, great career. Definitely could be considered one of those sort of, um, bubble players right when we're talking about midfielders within the United States women's national team uh, sort of spectrum and bubble on the outside looking in Um, but yeah and seeing somebody like Caroline Kesser for the forwards like she was a little bit of a pest for the Red Stars to to have to deal with so it was just wild to kind of look back on these the highlights of these two games and see those names and like and for me in particular those two defenses um going up against each other no I mean I think and I think ultimately with those championship teams um what happened in 2014 was that FC Kansas City kind of they they slew the giant a little bit um the the run that Seattle went on in 2014 was incredible and FC Kansas City were the heavy underdogs and it's it's impossible, and we'll talk about this too when we talk about 2016 and 2017 because she wasn't there. Lauren Holiday is so the two best players in NWSL history to this day are Becky Sauerbrunn and Lauren Holiday. And for a while, they played on the same team, and that <laughs> team was very difficult to beat. Um, there's a reason why Meg Linehan did a survey and asked if the NWSL trophy should be named after anybody, and a bunch of people said Lauren Holiday. The She Believes Cup is named after Lauren Holiday. Um, Morgan Bryan's national career <laughs> is is based on on the work of Lauren Holiday. Like Lauren Holiday is a giant of the early and mid NWSL years and of the U.S. Women's National Team, they don't win the 2015 World Cup without Lauren Holiday. Um, she should go down in history as one of the greatest uh, soccer players of all time. And she, you know, it's actually kind of crazy because she ended up having um, some medical issues in 2016 that I don't think had any reason for her retirement, but probably would have predicated it anyway. But she made the personal decision to walk away from the game um, in 2015 and she had announced her retirement before the end of the season. So 
their journey through 2015 was a, a bit of a final run for this player, um, which is kind of a crazy thing to watch. It's rare to have someone truly go out on top like that. I remember seeing so many of these players, these national team players come back post world cup. Right. And like so many teams in the past hearing the wave of like certain retirements come into play. Uh, Laurie Kolopny was one of those players as well, coming back uh, post world cup and Shannon box as well. They went, um, got some glory and uh, they came back and, you know, they said, that's enough. I'm tired. And uh, that's okay. That's acceptable. That's fine. And I think having a player, those type of players who had the careers that they had, uh, Shannon Box specifically, right? Another, we're talking about players paving the way in Lauren Holiday. It can also be said that, you know, Shannon Box made that happen for somebody like Lauren Holiday. Right. Similar to maybe even Lori Klubney, although she played a little bit of a different role on the national team in terms of going to the outside back position. But watching these players make their return back as World Cup champions and then sort of putting into motion that the retirement was going to happen, I think it maybe sort of, it maybe just sort of did something different for that Kansas City team when they came back, you know, and looking at the names on that roster. You can't tell me that um, somebody like Lauren Holiday come, comes back to her club team with, one of her best friends, Amy Rodriguez, and says, yeah, I'm done after this. And Becky Sauerbrunn and, and Heather O'Reilly are probably going to be like, well, we're going to fucking win the, the championship. Well, and the Heather O'Reilly of it all is crazy, too, because she's on the 2015 World Cup squad. She does not play very much. Um, whatever went, went on there is not our story to tell, but she didn't play very much in the World Cup. Um, in 2015 and she came back and was a huge asset to FC Kansas City um, in the second latter half of that season and I'm just like well damn she was doing the same goddamn thing in 2019 what's going yeah. on <laughs> oh man Heather O'Reilly also monster, oh, so monster of the game um, I wanna I just wanna um, <laughs> I just wanna like also shout out Blacko again for that because he ended up getting making a move for Heather O'Reilly. She wasn't always with FC Kansas City. She had a breakers team, a sad breakers team that she was a part of for a little while. And uh, Heather O'Reilly is a soccer player, y'all. Loves to play herself some soccer. And she wanted to make a move, you know, probably to play some different type of soccer. And Vlad Gondonovsky went ahead and made a move for that, that player because he saw this player and was like, yes. I'm on this team. We will do great things together. And it happened. And we saw that happen um, in that 20, then that 2015 season, um, especially during that late push and postseason run uh, that they had. I think watching this team in 2015 and sort of going through some of these highlights and seeing the Red Stars and who they were in their roster to remind, to remind everybody sort of where the Red Stars were and sort of some of the games that we've kind of recapped for you all already on this rewatch series is this particular era of Red Stars was really the beginnings of a new era for them. 
and sort of building off of what they had done in those drafts prior in 2014 specifically and getting somebody like a Julie Johnson, Ertz, and DiBernardo and building on that and getting a number of players in Aaron Gill and Danny Colaprico and Sophia Huerta and sort of continuing to build on what their vision wanted to be. So watching these highlights and going back and dipping into a couple of these 2015 games, you look at a team like FC Kansas City and it you feel some type of way about it because maybe you got wrecked in the semifinal or maybe you dropped a game or drew a game or maybe you could have come out with a win. It's funny to look back on this stuff now and you look at those games that sort of make you – a better player and I, you can't help but maybe look at this particular era and these two teams during this era and look at that FC Kansas City team and then look at what that Red Stars team was trying to be and say yeah they absolutely became a better team every time they went up against this FC Kansas City team yeah and and stars rise and stars fall um hashtag the last dance and uh <laughs> uh that's kind of what that 2015. Oh no, that's kind of what that 2015 FCKC team was because they did not go back yeah. to the playoffs after that. No, no, they didn't. Um, that's a good segue for us. Yeah. For 2016, uh, we had you all take a look at uh, two, a few very specific games. Um, we had a game in May, May 13th, uh, and then we had a game in July, July 30th, and then a game in September which was a wild, <laughs> wild game. But these were all incredibly dope games. And this was a season that I was really excited to, to talk about. And you and I have flirted with the concept of maybe we should really do like a 2016 era type episode. And maybe we might still do that. Maybe we won't. We're playing this as we go and dealing with things as they come. But for me, prior to what we witnessed in 2019, for me, for Sandra, this is an I feel statement. The greatest rest of our team of all time was that 2016 team. Oh, no, you're like 100. I think it's objective. It's not an I feel. It's an I know. It's I'm just saying yeah. uh, they made a number of the Red Stars made a number of moves. We're talking about the next phase, right, of what they've built upon. You know, they they drafted the players that they wanted. They started playing the soccer that they wanted to play. They began to plug in pieces that they knew were missing. They went out and made a move for a listener, brought her to Chicago. Rory finally landed his player and got Casey Short back. He brought he brought her home, y'all. Casey Short came to the Red Stars after having her rights for three years from the Boston Breakers and letting Casey Short take care of herself and rehab herself and work her way back into playing form. Got his player and Casey Short brought her back home. Made a midseason move, which at the time for me, this is when I made the active choice and decision to really start covering the Red Stars in sort of a media capacity. And watching this 2016 team, you just felt like they were going to be able to punch through. They had been working toward, they were applying these steps, right? Taking these steps. And all of a sudden, they made a midseason trade for a player in Stephanie McCaffrey. And that kind of blew me away a little bit. And at the time, John D. Haller, and we remember we were hearing about the trade in the press box, we were like, 
wow, that they actually made a move. And at the time, now it doesn't seem like it, but at the time in 2016, it felt a little bit on Chicago to have made kind of a big splash and made a move like that. And people might not agree with that uh, move in hindsight, but you have to understand the timing in which this all went down. Uh, Stephanie McCaffrey was drafted to a Boston Breakers team again, a sad Boston Breakers team. Um, rated as a very high prospect. Uh, she was part of a multi-team trade in 2015 to go back to Boston after being drafted from Chicago initially. And she was one of those bubble players for the United States uh, national team. She had had a number of games and camps under her belt at the senior level. And the Red Stars, who we always talk about their issues of with and attacking from the flank and finding that wide player, maybe thought this was a player that was going to help solve some problems for them. So it was a very high trade for that to happen. So to watch these games happen, these three highlights that we gave you all for 2016, and we had to include that game against FC Kansas City where Steph McCaffrey got her first goal Um, because the seasons back then were still like kind of short, maybe not the 24 games that people are used to now. So to make that, make that trade it really felt like it was kind of a point that they were making a point to say well we're gonna we're gonna push forward and we're gonna make sure that we do better um yeah i i also i also really enjoyed so 2016 was a real give and take between chicago and fc kansas city um where but again maybe this is truly just me but i just didn't feel there was no there was no beef it was just like weird stuff would happen sometimes and one team would win and then the other team would win and Chicago went to the playoffs and FC Kansas City didn't and at some point you stop worrying about a team that is not you're not going to see in the postseason um and yeah I don't want to get too into the 2016 of it all just because we might do a deeper dive um later but um 2016 was absolutely one of the greatest Red Stars teams of all time um it was heartbreaking. That was a heartbreaking season um, to me. Uh, sadder than 2019, honestly. Um, and and also, the, oh, I was just going to say about Stephanie McCaffrey um, that in this, I don't know if this is the right episode for this, but she, you know, whatever you felt like she was doing on the field, I'm not sure there's a player that's ever been more important to Chicago Red Stars culture than Stephanie McCaffrey. She's the glue. She's the glue to the national team players. She's the glue to the league players. She's friends with everybody. She is, she set culture. She's the originator of Uncle Nair. She's all of this, you know, and, and, and I think that, and we talk about Chicago Red Stars culture all the time on this podcast. So it seems relevant to, to bring that as, up as well. But um, yeah, 2016 has one of my favorite NWSL games of all time which is a game that Chicago lost actually. Um, they lost, they lost three to one. So it wasn't close. Um, but, uh, that's right. Right. Three to one? Oh no, I thought it was three, two. I'm thinking three it was two. Three oh, two. No, it was three two. I right. think you're no, talking no. about the right, 20, right. that, uh, September 7th the game, se- right? Yeah. September 7th, three to two. You're right. No, what I'm remembering. Yeah, that was a wild, wild game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I, what I'm remembering, sorry, I called it three, one, but what I'm remembering is that Chicago was never winning this game. Um, they only <laughs> just came close to not losing it. Maybe. Um, but yeah, so that September 7th game, um, yeah, September 7th, 2016, uh, they get, Chicago gets lit up by 
Shay Groom, who is a Black Kowandanovsky project. And I think she was oh, a rookie man. that season, right? So good. Yeah. Early Shay Groom. Yeah. Man. Boy. She was a pest. She was a pesty pest. Yes. Um, and then, you know, I think there's, you know, there are multiple, yes. Yeah. So, so Chicago gets lit up. Their defense gets lit up for three goals. Um, but, and this just goes to show, I, oh, I love this. This is a beautiful piece of NWSL history at the very end of this game. Chicago does not equalize. They just simply get another goal in their loss. Um, and you should go back and watch it because chef's kiss. I love this moment. So, uh, it's, it's technically, I, it's technically a Julie Johnston goal, I believe. Um, and it, but they credit to Huerta or something, right? Right. Oh no, maybe it was a Huerta goal, but (laughs) yeah. yeah. But so it's at the very end. Um, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself with all the Julie Ertz goals uh, in 2017. But um, so there's a ball that it comes in. Huerta gets a foot on it, and Becky Sauerbrunn is like right on this goal line, and she believes. She believes. I'm saying. Yeah, she really did believe. that uh, she kicked the ball out before it had fully crossed the line. I think that ball was in. But I mean, there is an iconic moment of Becky Sauerbrunn, and this was one of the televised games. This was a lifetime game. Yeah. Um, and she's looking to, I think the assistant ref was the one who called it, called it as a goal. And she's got her hands to her head, and she drops to her knees, and you can see her just go, No. no. <laughs> and so the it's and and so after this the thing that happened on this 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 uh broadcast that isn't quite as iconic is just there's a moment there where julie Ertz just goes to like pick up the you know that's what you do when you're losing you go pick up the ball take it to the halfway line at this point there was no real shot chicago was going to get an equalizer but and and at a, in a moment julie julie Ertz goes to her her teammate her hero her mentor becky sauerbrunn with like a hand and she's like she was pissed no sauerbrunn was so angry not at anybody in particular but just like the world in that moment um and i that just i that has been seared in my brain ever since of just like they of of, first of all of a team that was winning this game but not doing as well as the red stars uh, being like, don't you dare, like, take this away from us. And um, I loved it. You're absolutely right. And and also just I think maybe all I'm trying to say is that particularly Sauerbrunn for that team, she cared about FC Kansas City the way that Julie Ertz cares about <laughs> the Red Stars. And that is rare. And I respect that so much. Um and so it turned into something very silly at the end of this game in 2016. But um, I think that that is part of where, like, the respect for that team comes from. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, and I think it's important to address that, you know, going going into this 2016 season and covering it and having to pay attention to it and part of the news that came in the off season prior to the 2016 season was the very short-lived concept of uh, regional rivalries. Yes. So the schedule was forcefully different in a sense to help maybe compensate and adjust for travel for clubs within the United States for playing in the NWSL. And 
a number of teams play each other. I think it was like three times a piece while maybe only playing other teams once or twice. Right. Instead and of, for the Red Stars, yeah. that meant that they had a number of games against Kansas City. They, it was declared that the Midwest rivalry was going to be Chicago and Kansas City. <laughs> right. It, it was kind of it was kind of funny in that some of them were very natural because obviously Portland and Seattle playing each other three times is great. But I think what it was was that they weren't playing 24 games and even three games split. They were playing 20, game, 20 games, 22 games. So it had to be lopsided. So you would play everybody twice, but one team you would play three times. And uh, so that was FC Kansas City and Chicago. Um, I remember the one that I thought was the funniest was maybe Sky Blue and the Spirit, where it was like, okay. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I guess that worked, or, or like, um, or at the time it was hilarious, really, uh, Houston and Orlando, because like Orlando yes, had just showed so, up, yes, that's right, and we we're like, they just got here, like you need to grow these things, right. you guys, you know, yeah. So it was funny to sort of like they were labeled as regional rivalries, specifically. Uh, but it was sort of like force fun. The only one that felt truly natural was like you mentioned the, you know, PNW in Portland and in Seattle. And the two weirdest ones were, you know, Orlando and, and Houston. And it's kind of watching. It was weird, but the one that maybe felt the coolest or like the nicest, the most nicest and polite one the most polite, was yeah. the Midwest. That gosh, darn the, the red casserole, star. The casserole bowl. Yeah. I'll bring uh bring over the ranch, and uh, I remember oh, once in sneak right by ya. I remember once in 2015 the Blue Crew, uh, the the one game that I went to, they had a chant about barbecue about how it was better than ours, and I was like, I'd hope I so. Yeah. <laughs> God, if it yeah. wasn't, yeah. It almost it's, it's like it's like guys, I don't think anybody's debating that. Yeah, that's not the issue. Um. That's actually just a true fact yeah. that many Chicagoans will actually agree with you with. And I actually really like that, too, about just sort of taking the concept of these two teams and their rivalry, so to speak, off of the pitch. Uh, watching the interactions and seeing the interaction between fandoms at this time of these two teams was just dope, man. You want to talk about, like, some of the coolest, really early seeds being planted of off the pitch fandom friendship uh i absolutely think of chicago local 134 and the blue crew at the time it was truly lovely to witness and uh experience in the very slightest as i I would hit up with the drive-by as i most infamously do um but yeah no shout, shout out to them and always holding it down for for FC Casey and the Blue Crew. And I, I, I have loved sort of seeing online anyway, um, kind of how some of them maybe adopted the Red Stars. Like watching the Red Stars go on their ridiculous run in 2019 and seeing some of these Casey locals and having them be so excited for their friends, basically. It was very, just very sweet and very nice and very Midwest of them. Really, and they were excited to have a a team to root for in the final. It was really, really, really dope. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is a little bit, and I we can talk about this. I mean, we'll we'll get through we'll get through twenty seventeen, but um, well, actually, let's get through twenty seventeen first. Let's maybe pivot pivot to twenty seventeen. Um, yes, I'm glad that um, I'll just say that I'm glad that uh, 
forced regional rivalries maybe aren't necessarily a thing anymore. I got it. I understood where they were coming from. Um, I'm glad that it's not a thing that's happening anymore. And uh, Chicago will one day again maybe have a Midwest rival. Right. I mean, yeah. Okay. I changed my mind. We'll we'll get to 2017 in a second. But I I think that um, (laughs) I was more going to say just when FC Kansas City folded, um, this was not even necessarily a thought that I had when it when it happened other than just like, you know, great that they were able to move the team. So we didn't lose a team. But, um, you know, I think when you talk expansion, I think it comes up more when people are talking expansion. And I know that people on the West coast very much uh, would like to have more NWSL teams as well. They should. And, and I think, um, you know, teams closer to Houston teams closer to Orlando, I think, you know, Atlanta would be a great expansion team. Um, But there is a very, and I know Arnhem's even talked about this, where just being alone here, um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel better. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't feel better than having a team, to kind of dig at sometimes you know it's it's kind of lonely it's it's lonely to not have it be easy to do away support without getting on a plane um it's an experience that chicago red stars fans have not gotten to have for a, a very long time in in the you know relative nature of the young of the youth of the league um and so yeah i mean we're gonna have i don't know if i would call louisville midwest but I'm I'm so excited. I mean, obviously, I'm like so excited for anything right now, but I'm so excited for the concept of a team that gets it a little bit, that gets us a little bit um, more, maybe than um, some of the other teams in the country. And um, that was always a really fun part of the FC Kansas City relationship, um, and even more fun in 2017, I guess, uh, when Chicago beat them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good transition? Yes, that is an excellent transition, Omi. I appreciate it. For everyone to keep up, we gave you a number of highlights to watch in 2017. And it was a very early game in April on the 22nd, and then a later game in August on the 20th in 2017. And to start with that 2017 game in April, um, I guess to just help set a scene you know the season had kicked off and I think this was like the umpteenth time that Chicago had opened up their season in Houston right and they went ahead and lost uh, that's what they did in those days when they opened up the season against Houston and um they had a quick turnaround and had their home opener against FC Kansas City on April 22nd. And I remember, <laughs> I remember covering this game, going to cover this game. And I remember being with our friend, Omi and colleague, Johnny Halloran and getting the lineup sheets in advance. Cause we get them in, in advance um, for the games and seeing Julie Ertz in the midfield playing high. And for a quick second, thinking it was an error because a lot of these, a lot of times, sometimes this is when the optostats were being utilized really heavily. They still are, but they were working out the kinks in these early days. And we thought maybe the optostat was wrong. But then we also, we quickly shut ourselves up and we were like, no, Julie Ertz is probably going to play in the midfield. So when we saw them line up, we were super excited to see Julie Ertz in the midfield. So this 
this April 22nd game that we suggested for everyone to check out the highlights of is the very first, like, NWSL game that Julie Ertz played, started playing in the midfield. It's like the beginnings of what people have now known to become the truth, and is that Julie Ertz is a great midfielder on top of being a good center back. Um, So it was all done on purpose. You know, they they got kind of wrecked in that Houston game, and uh, Rory Dames was like, stop pushing around my small mids and uh, wanted to do something about it. And uh, we saw Julie Ertz come into this game and actually get a goal with an assist from Huerta. And it was like, what, what's happening here? So it was the beginning of something really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I can only, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of frame it this way in retrospect, but um, Julie Ertz scored a couple really nice goals against FC Kansas city in uh, 2017. One in a win and one in a loss. But um, she, well, first of all, you watch these highlights and it is shocking to see her play so high and not only play so high, but be given encouragement to play the ball at her feet. Um, really nice give and goes. Like she was a, a whole ass midfielder, which is even a little bit different than what people know her for in the in the U.S. Women's National Team um, because she's really kind of a rock'em sock'em six for them. So she's more of a ball winner. Um, and then distributor, um, she was doing some really cool, showing some really cool sides to her game in 2017. And I guess now when I talk about the framing, like you just watch these games and you think to yourself, well, I think maybe some of this is like bred from familiarity. Like she knows this team that she's playing against really well. And so she knows some things to try to get around the way FC Kansas city was playing. Um, and it's cool to see, you know, this is the FC Kansas City episode, and, and maybe I'm making this up, but, you know, that team, that other team, played a large role in Julie Ertz's ongoing U.S. Women's National Team career and her career as a Red Star. She doesn't play those games against them the way those kind of play out. Things might be a little bit different, and um, that is the value of having teams that you know really well. Um, FC Kansas City was a relatively stable team as well. And I think that that's um, another thing that's very fun is that you get to know the players on the other team as well as you know your own. Um, And Chicago and FC Kansas City had that in common, and that's rare in the NWSL. And so, yeah, 2017 is is cool. You know, the the 2017 Red Stars were imperfect um, in some ways, but uh, you saw Julie Ertz, really going to that next level um you saw some really interesting individual efforts from Kristen Press she ruined y'all Averbush's life in that one 2017 game yep uh so rude <laughs> yep um, I do appreciate Kristen Press being rude when she was with the rest of the time, so exactly nice. yeah um and that was funny too because yeah Averbush was a converted center back and she played with with Sauerbrunn and they actually turned into a pretty good center back duo but yeah Press just whipped right past them um yeah, that's actually 2017 was a weird year probably for both teams. Uh, a oh, yeah. Team, a transitionary year for both. Um, for FC Absolutely. Kansas City, I think it meant more more losses than they would have liked. Um, but yeah. but also, yeah, they kind of still sniped each other a little bit. And, and these were kind of the last, obviously, glory days of, of this this relationship between these two teams. And 
end of an era for both teams. Uh, one in, I guess, entire existence, but another in, in a very significant era as well. And so I think, um, yeah, it's funny how those cycles kind of work together sometimes. It's how one moment ends in a similar way for both teams. I appreciated that for twenty for twenty seventeen. You know, they had finally got Orlando came into the league, right? Twenty sixteen. So they had finally had this extra team. Boston <laughs> Boston was still around. Yeah. They had they had an even number of teams. So the schedule looked and felt different. So in watching in having these two games suggesting the highlights for everyone to take a look at an interviewing guy, they were for 2017, they were the only two games against FC Kansas city during this time. And kind of looking back and when they took place, I, I appreciated having these two highlights in this era specifically to look at because watching what happened in that April game in 2017 versus what was going on in August of 2017, um, I thought was two very different times, you know, for this 2017 and I'm speaking on Kansas city, you know, coming from 2015 and 2016, the the eras in which we're talking about and going into 2017 for FC Kansas city, the looked a little different. Like there's always turnover, right? Rosters are always changing in the NWSL and, and for FC Kansas city, you know, they had had a number of players come in and integrate into their team. You know, you had, a couple more international players and like Katie Bowen and Desiree Scott coming through for New Zealand and, and Canada, you know, they had made, they made the trade. They made the move for, for Sydney LaRue, you know, who, who was a part of FC Kansas city, you know, for a little bit. And I, I another thing that I also remember about that, that April game that was just very different compared to that August game was just sort of the momentum that was lost for Kansas city, even though it was still very, very, very early in the season. I mean, you're talking about week two in 2017, but I remember week one because I was paying attention to Kansas city because Kansas city was a game that it, a team that I enjoyed watching play in NWSL. So along with the rest of us, I would always try to catch their games and watching their open up their week and seeing the dynamic between Amy Rodriguez and Sydney LaRue. And like, I was like, yes, man, like Kansas city is going to be like the mom squad. They're going to wreck people up. Like it's going to happen. And then very tragically and sadly, Amy Rodriguez went out in week one with an ACL tear and it just completely shifted things for, it felt like, you know, Kansas city moving forward and watching them go in to that second week. Um, and just knowing the type of team they were and the belief that they had in the roster um, to probably come into Bridgeview and get a win against the Red Stars. They're like, yeah, we're going to come away with points. Like, don't even worry about it, no doubt. Um, but then sort of seeing the shift from the Red Stars and making their judgment and having Julia Ertz in the mid and sort of kind of shake things up, it, you could tell, like, they, they weren't necessarily prepared for that, even though we always know those early games in the season are always to be kind of preseason y, you know, and like kind of rusty. Uh, but there wasn't necessarily uh, an answer for that on, on that day. So it, to have that dy- dynamic in 2017, very early in April, and then to sort of have them in August, where believe it or not, the injuries that they were dealing with Kansas city, they were still trying, they were pretty middle of the table at the time. And they were still trying to make a push themselves. And, and that late August game 
that they had against Chicago. I think that was also still that was in Bridgeview. I think yeah, that was a Bridgeview. Yeah, because my whole point in my whole point in bringing this up and, and talking about Kansas City is you know they <laughs> the Red Stars they were on a slump and they were going against this game and they were like they had this home they had this homestead. And they were like, yeah, like the Red Stars are going to have X amount of games at home. They're going to have an opportunity to get whatever many points. And then I believe, my, if memory serves me correct, Kansas City was, I think, the later of those games. There was like a three-home game standard. They were like the third one. And they absolutely came in and just wrecked Chicago and yeah. just like pummeled them and destroyed any idea of what they had of getting like a comfortable win and making their own – payoff like playoff push and like positioning of the table and um this was a team that was fighting to even get into the playoffs whereas Chicago was just sort of already nestled in and maybe just kind of vying for position so to see them come in and just wreck Chicago three to one um really on that day just kind of outplay them it was um it was just everything Kansas City could be against the Red Stars and for me, watching that game, I was like, man, Kansas City going to fuck around and get into these playoffs again, aren't they? Like, I absolutely felt that on this day. And um, you could just tell that they were a different team than they were back in that April game coming into August. They just had a different mentality. A huge part of that for me, I think, was the fact that they had a player like Becky Starburn on their team. Um, just also bring in some historical, historical political context into this. I do remember this game taking place in, in August of 2017, and it had directly occurred after some very tragic and sad events took place in Charlottesville, where there was a large gathering of white supremacists preaching white supremacist things. And um, it was basically really messed up. And I knew that there were a number of University of Virginia players that were going to be taking place in this game. And Becky Sarbroom was one of those players. And she so graciously was kind enough to enter the mix zone, um, talk a bit about the game and the ass kicking that she gave the Red Stars and also gave probably what is one of the best post-game quotes I could have ever received from a player where she went on record speaking out about what had happened in Charlottesville, how she felt very connected to that community, how it made her feel devastated and sad to see those things, how she is absolutely 100% against the white supremacy, white supremacists and racism in general. And uh, it was just unbelievable to have a player be this poised after uh, these players are coming off of like, high volumes of like adrenaline you know especially if you're coming off after a win and just for her to sort of um, be able to do that in the mix zone was um, really something you're just like you look at that and you have those experience as a member of a media and you go wow like these these players are are kind of incredible and um, that was also on top of being able to um, see Sydney LaRue and, and Cassius and, and and all of that so that was also like uh, pretty dope or not Cassius but talk to her about like getting into Kansas city and being closer to, to her family and, and Dom and stuff like that. So it was very, it was a very cool time um, in 20, in 2017. And I think looking back on it, um, maybe at the time, this was right around when we started to hear some unstable things uh, about the future of Kansas city. And um, 
I think ultimately, um, I don't want to say that we knew that this was maybe going to be the last time that we played against Kansas or see that we were going to see Kansas City play against uh, Chicago Red Stars. But uh, like so many things, like so many things in any new league that's still growing, you just never know. And we had heard some things um, coming out from that. So to the fact that I look back on this, I, I don't think at the time when we were putting together the viewing guide, I realized this, but I was like looking at it and I'm like, wow, that really was like the last game that I got to cover the Red Stars against Kansas City. And that's what I talked about with Becky Sarver. Like that just, that just blew me yeah. away. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I can only speak on what we always heard publicly about the team. Um, and obviously some, some things have come out about that last ownership group um, that are troubling, but I think it's indicative of the way Vladko Andonovsky ran his team. I remember even Heather O'Reilly kind of talking about um, it's not a large organization, but it feels professional. It feels like a family. Um, we go out there and we play for each other, um, which is really similar to what we heard in Chicago in 2019 all the time. Uh, and there is a kinship there in a way. Um, and that FC Kansas City was an independent uh, they were a small market team. Chicago is not a small market team, but they were, you know, kind of alone out there. And um, I think, and and that is, I mean, it's amazing to hear that kind of stuff too, because we'll, you know, we always say this that um, it takes it takes a certain element of of poise and personability to be able to give quotes like that in a post game situation, and we don't expect that from from everybody, obviously, but. Um, it just, it does, it speaks to the individuals that they had playing on that team and the expectations that were placed on them and how they rose to the occasion. And, um, and, and it's, it's incredible. And so often uh, in, in women's sports where you can have the people on the ground floor who were doing such good work, um, whether it's the players or staff or coaching and then the people at, on the top can't hack it and uh huge disconnect with who fc kansas city was as a club and their reputation um to the way they ceased to exist at the end of 2017 um and it's a it's a real shame because um utah what utah did in saving a club um saving a roster full of players is incredible. They save those people's jobs. Um, and they're good people. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, but it's not the same. And it also, and this is where we can maybe tie it back to the red stars in that, um, there is a feeling amongst an independent club that isn't quite the same as a team that is not. And, when we talk about kind of carrying the banner, Chicago not only has been carrying that banner for the Midwest, but they've been carrying it for the independent teams too. Um, and that doesn't mean that things would get lost uh, with a money partner or anything like that, but um, there's a specific way of thinking. There's a specific philosophy and ethos to an independent team. And when those teams go down and they're more vulnerable, we know that, um, you lose some of the history and you lose some of that philosophy. And um, I think 
you know, and, and, and I, I would never, I would never put this on a player, but you do have a vet player like Becky Sauerbrunn. And there were people talking about her move to Portland this year. Um, and I just was always thinking to myself, I was like, the club she loved, her home ceased to exist. So why couldn't she go wherever she wanted? Like what, what loyalties can you expect from a player who had that ripped away from her? And she's, we, we started this series with a letter from Becky Sauerbrunn about the NWSL. And, and so it's, we're in a time where this speaks to things so much bigger than sports about where you have good people who are trying to do a good job and care about other people and be that, you know, that person on the front line who is, you know, representing something and they're being let down by the people who have more money and more influence than them. And that ended up being the story of FC Kansas city. And it's a real shame. Um, but those players are, a lot of them are still playing. And I think they they carry that energy to where they've gone. Um, and I think that's incredibly valuable as well. Yeah. I, I think it's, <laughs> I remember when the move was made and it was like official. And one of the very first things Utah Royals did was announce Becky Sauerbrunn is a re-signing and there were a number there was a there was a contingency out there that was like why does that matter blah 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 and you're just like it absolutely 100% matters to announce that a re-signing of someone because no one has to do shit no one has to do anything they don't want to do and um Becky Sauerbrunn making that commitment and agreeing to play in Utah for the Royals was a thing that had to be announced so they definitely announced it as a re-signing uh, for Utah and uh, it was appropriate that they did that you know and um, shout out to her I mean maybe we'll see her say go ahead and play in Portland someday I don't know but uh, in the meantime it was definitely dope watching her go up against the Red Stars in a Blues jersey uh, yeah, while she yeah. did but her you know Amy Rodriguez Lola Bata you know Desiree Scott you know all these players that we were um, used to seeing the Red Stars just go toe-to-toe with and just sort of th- seeing them still do that but just in a different place and in a different color and in a different element you know altitude um you know just just different barbecue is definitely not the same i think no. we can all agree we can all agree there yeah. um but yeah definitely wanted to pour one out on this episode for this team yeah um i know that um we will always be a chicago red stars podcast but we definitely wanted to utilize this opportunity to talk about the rivalry with Kansas City and Kansas City as a whole and how they made the Red Stars kind of who they are today in a little bit of a sense. They, yeah, the Kansas City made Chicago better in a lot of different ways. Um, we talked, John said this on the last days of Red Stars past episode, that that FC Kansas City semifinal in 2015 really exposed some things that Chicago used to improve. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah, I just, I do think that, you know, who are who are we if we're not measured against um, our opponents, and especially an opponent that was respected so much? Um, because I'm, I'm sure I'm sure every Chicago Red Stars fan can attest to this. It's not the same with North Carolina. It's not the same with Portland. It's not the same with OL Rain FC. Like it's just not. Um, and it's not going to be the same with Louisville because Louisville is an expansion team, and when you're an expansion team, it takes some time to get better. Um, so it's going to be a different relationship there as well. Um, but the Midwest 
it's, you know, we can wax poetic about it, but it deserves more representation in this league. It deserves more representation in this country. And um, yeah, I, I just think that even as a, who better than us, right? To talk about FC Kansas City. Just a couple of kids from the Midwest, boy. I love it. Yeah, no, I've, I've enjoyed um, diving back into this and looking at the, the games and the two, the two teams as rivals as a whole. I like that we did it this way versus being like, and then this goal happened in the X minutes at this time. Um, yeah. Not that I don't enjoy talking about that kind of stuff with you either, Claire, but I, I you know, I like that for this one. Um, to pour one out for FC Kansas City, we kind of had to talk about it with feelings, guys. And um, yeah, so shout out to FC Casey. We will always remember you. Thanks for making the Red Stars and uh, a bit better and a bit of a team that they are today. Shout out to all those little individual rivalries and performances on the pitch. Like I love seeing Kristen Press go up against Hallie Bush, uh, Bruin against you know Julie Johnson, Ertz, as we've talked about. Um, Shea Groom, Shea Groom, and uh, Sam Johnson was another one of my favorite individual. Yeah, it is kind of weird, I guess. I never even really thought about this, that, like, Kristen Press plays for FC Kansas City, Utah now. There's, like, no relationship between Chicago and Utah at all, but. (laughs) When you're connected like that, it makes you think. It makes you think. Makes you think a little bit. No, no. Hey, remember when Sam Johnson broke Shea Girl's ribs? Ah, I do. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. When neither player played for played for their their home club anymore. There you go. It happened, man. Yeah, no, I I loved all I loved all the individual stuff. I, I uh, Casey Short and Tiff McCarty actually had some good battles on the flank there against each other. So yeah, just holistically individual battles as well on the pitch. Just a lot of good stuff there uh, between the lines for all of these players on game day when they went up against uh, each other. So this has been real. Uh, we're going to keep this series going for you guys. We keep thinking up and finding new ways to talk about the days of Red Stars past with you all. We hope you all enjoyed this FC Kansas City portion, and we hope you will continue along with us in the future as we produce more of these episodes for you guys. Um, take a look at some of the work on the Patreon if you haven't had a chance yet. We had a wild August. There was absolute, or April, excuse me. We had... Absolutely no soccer going on in the month of April, and yet we just had a bunch of stuff out there for you guys. So uh, take a look back for anything that you missed, any writing, any episodes. And uh, Claire, if the people want to uh, find you and connect with you and your good work, where can they do that? Yeah, I can only, I I truly can only um, echo what you said about about the Patreon. Um, I've I've been having some fun writing things that are are not pieces or or like essays or anything but just like posts i've been doing some posts um and it's i've actually been having some fun posting uh and i think that that's the kind of content that um is fun to lean into in a moment like this one so yeah truly if you want to find my work uh subscribe to the patreon and um yeah that's it yeah, if you want to find me in my work, you should subscribe to that gosh darn patron. It's been real. I've been loving reading Claire's work. Uh, we put out a content thread for you all the other day, so check it out. I believe I quote tweeted it, and I said, um, when I say that nobody covers the Red Stars like we do, what I'm trying to say is that I mean that shit, <laughs> and it's true. So subscribe to the patron, 
and get all that good Chicago Red Sox coverage that you guys are craving or need in this time. If you do feel like following me and my shenanigans, you can do that on Twitter if you want, at sendereira underscore, that's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore, or just follow the Patreon, really. You can find us on all social media channels, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. You can find us on Anchor, iTunes, and Spotify. Subscribe to us, give us a like, rating, and review. All that stuff helps us out tremendously. We're trying to create Chicago Red Stars content for you all. Just support Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. Wash your hands, wash your everything. We'll be back with you guys soon.